Hi everyone, it's Amelia Quint. Welcome to Bad Astrologers, where we take a cultural, spiritual, literary, and mythological look at the heavens. As always, this podcast is made possible by our patrons. They're a community of mystics who ask the best astrology questions and always keep me on my toes, which is great. For a small monthly contribution, you get access to exclusive monthly forecasts, horoscopes, bonus episodes, including one on Venus retrograde now that that's in full swing, a Q&A video where you can ask about your personal natal chart, and that's just the beginning. So if that sounds like your cup of tea, head over to patreon.com slash badastro and join us. Another easy way to show your support is to leave a positive review on iTunes so the algorithm can share this podcast with more amazing people like you. And of course, make sure to follow the show at Bad Astrologers on Twitter and Instagram to be the first to know when new episodes are released. Finally, the simplest form of sharing is often the most powerful, which is just telling a friend. It's small, free, and it works wonders. Now, time for the episode. Today's guest, Susie Exposito, is someone I've wanted to have on the podcast forever. She's a critic at Rolling Stone and a Pisces Rising who knows both the music and magical worlds inside and out. Her first cover story on Bad Bunny, yes, the San Benito, is out today. We talk about her journey from reading tarot cards in her dorm room to talking to Bad Bunny about his star sign. Plus, we take a few side streets into astrocartography, Lilith, and more. And of course, like any good journalist and gold star Virgo, she had a few questions for me to answer too. So get ready, because this one's quite the trip. Sit back, relax your shoulders, take a deep breath, and let's start the show. Hi, Susie. Thank you so much for joining me on Bad Astrologers today. Hey, Amelia. It's awesome to be here. I mean, even if only by way of sound. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I feel like that's as good as anything, given the current um, situation. We've all been um, in our homes for a while now, so I'll take yeah. audio togetherness for sure. <laughs> how long has it been for you like how long have you been in quarantine for oh boy um probably six weeks now i think it is maybe longer wow. actually um because here spring break was the week before the quarantine started um so mm -hmm. i've been kind of away from civilization i think i'm going feral a little bit um, <laughs> <laughs> how long have you Same. been in quarantine it has been two months as of today. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right to me. I think it's been a little over two months for me. And I'm, I'm definitely an extrovert. So I feel like the podcast has been keeping me um, energized. And yeah, it's good to be curious and talk to people, even if you are not able to see them. Um, yeah. So right now, you normally reside in New York, but you are where? I am currently in Miami, Florida at my grandmother's apartment. 
Oh, your pictures from Miami are so pretty. So I'm definitely <laughs> kind of envious. It's pretty here too, though. Lots of flowers and such. Um, and I know oh, yeah, what you I was, described. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say when I pulled both of our charts, I saw that we're on the exact same longitude line. So if, if one of us just like ran vertically up or down, we're technically like right there. It's like we're neighbors. That's incredible. So Charleston and Miami are like on the same longitudinal line. <laughs> I don't know how yeah, to say that. Yeah, I, I had to think about it too. I was like, longitudinal, sound it out like you're in the fourth grade. I think it's like fourth grade when you <laughs> learn about that. Um, astrology really brings back the geography for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So I want to go ahead and jump in with the traditional first question on the show, because um, I know you're a writer, but you talk all the time about astrology and witchcraft. So I'm curious, what's the earliest memory you have of being interested in astrology? Do you remember? Um, I think that, so my mom had a book. It was like the, this book. I don't remember what it was called, but it, it just had, it was like the book of Zodiac or something like that. And it was this really thick book that had everything about the signs. And so I picked it up. I was probably like eight or nine when I picked it up. And I remember being so turned off by all the descriptors for Virgos, because as you know, I'm mm -hmm. a Virgo sun, moon, and Mars. So I've been you know, spending the rest of my life just trying to like lean into that Virgo energy a lot more, like learning to appreciate it. Because, you know, when I first read about it in that book, I was like, blah, like, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, um, you know, I, I, I guess, yes, I am critical. That was like, you know, one of the number one descriptors. I'm literally a music critic. So <laughs> that's how I yeah. leaned into that energy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just remember being so turned off. And then it was like, your colors are gray. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I've never heard that. Me. It was probably <laughs> some, you know, it was like kind of a hokey book. And I was 1970s, like, 1970s, 80s. Yeah. Yeah. This was, this was like in the late 90s at this point. And I was like, they have to, they have to have something more fun for us. And I think it's gotten a lot better. But yeah, at first I was like, I can't be this boring. This is ridiculous. And I was like nine and like full of personality. So <laughs> um, yeah, I would say that's probably like the earliest memory I have of that. My mom's a Scorpio. So she was always kind of, she always had like books like that just kind of lying around. And I don't think that she really reads them. I think that she just looks for her sign and then like, you know, that's that. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, but I definitely, I studied that. And then I started, you know, every time I go to like the bookstore or the library, I just start reading about astrology. Mm, I love that. I feel like that is the experience for so many of us. Like I can remember um, going to the bookstore and lurking off to the occult section, or I remember vividly as a kid going to the public library and I picked out this book on goddesses and it blew my yes. mind. I was like, you mean there's like more than one of them? You mean they can be women? This is amazing. 
Um, and, and henceforth started the like Greek, Greek mythology thing. But, um, yeah, some of those books, do you ever wonder about how the astrology books that are being published now will be perceived by like future generations of astrologers? Um, cause I know we look back on like the ones from seventies, eighties, nineties, and there's things that mm -hmm. are really good. And there's things that are like Virgo is all gray, uh, which are pretty cringy. Yeah. Yeah, I I wonder about that sometimes. I mean, luckily you and I are like coming up in a in a time when astrology is very popular and we have like we have more options, I feel these days. Yeah. That's a really good point. Astrology is so much more accessible than it was. I mean, there was the cult mm -hmm. section of the bookstore, the library, but that was part of the reason why I even started my blog years ago was that the, you know, even in 2013, the resources just weren't there like they are now. So mm -hmm. I'm glad to have maybe had a little bitty hand in that. Um, <laughs> you do. So on, <laughs> on the Virgo side of your nature, and I love that you are a super Virgo. Venus and Virgo <laughs> is like my favorite part of my chart. So I usually vibe with Virgo people for sure. Um, yeah. You are a writer, um, but you're, you know, you're not someone who does astrology or witchcraft professionally, at least not that I know of. So what no. role does astrology play in your life? Like, how are you using it day to day or how do you con conceptualize that? Um, I definitely, it, it helps me plan the things that I'm going to do. And mm -hmm. I love to exert some level of control over my life. Even now during a pandemic, I try. Um, <laughs> do I succeed? Not always. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I use like a, like a chart app. Um, I use Astro Future and keep track of all my transits. I haven't been, I also have time passages as well. Um, but I haven't always done that per se. I've like learned a lot from the astrologers that I've befriended, especially on Twitter. Um, mm -hmm. But I actually, I got more into tarot, like when I was a teenager, probably about like 15 years ago is when I started Ooh. reading tarot. And that was definitely like the dominant um, method that I used when it, when it came to like, I don't know, spiritual practice and divination. I mean, both of those things, they're, they're different, but like you can use tarot for like many different things. Um, so that was kind of my, like astrology was always an interest of mine, but I really didn't start reading up on it uh, until like I was in college. And it, it was because I realized mm -hmm. that like reading tarot and knowing a bit about astrology really helped like astrology was helping with with tarot and with the way that i related to the cards and how i read them and like taking astrology into context when reading people's tarot cards really helped like there was a time when i read tarot cards in college um to uh, it, it was just like a, a side gig for me, but I was doing it like all of the time. Um, it was kind of crazy. And I had like two or three jobs at a time when I was in college, but then I'd get home and then have like 
kids like knocking on the door of my dorm room, like asking for <gasps> readings. Oh my gosh. And yeah. Th- well, there was a time when I was doing it for free and then I was like, well, what the fuck am I doing? This is a lot of work. You know, I don't, I don't think <laughs> that I understood. Um, and so then I started doing more like parties and things like that, but then started to kind of drift from, or I don't know, I, I felt really drained doing tarot all mm-hmm. the time. And then people also didn't always have like the best intentions. And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. you know, people would befriend me, but then use me a lot. Um, and, you know, they'd be like, your readings are so good. And then it'd be like, well, what do I get out of it? Like, absolutely nothing. You're not going to listen to anything I'm saying. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I actually stopped practicing tarot for a few years just because it was such a drain. And I realized that some of my friendships just like weren't very genuine. Um, mm-hmm. And then I got into astrology because I was like, what's something that I can just practice in private, you know? Right. Um, I mean, I, I guess you could practice tarot in private, but like, I, I felt like getting to read other people was helping me um, learn more about it. But yeah, I switched to astrology. I did consider for a time going to like, a, you know, an astrology school. There's one in, oh, wow. I think, Gainesville, Florida. Yeah. Where, really? I did not know yeah. that. Huh. So you could get accredited to practice astrology, or I guess like some people have licenses. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, I considered taking a course and this was before, <laughs> this was before I became a professional music critic. I was like, maybe I should get like my astrology license or whatever. <laughs> I was like, right. I was like, why not? <laughs> um, you know, like after college, I, I did some freelance writing, but I was mostly nannying. And so I felt kind of stuck. Um, this was, I believe my, is it your nodal return or was it a nodal square? Because I think I was like 23, 24 um, mm, I can't remember right offhand. I, I'll have to look yeah, it up. I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I believe, you know, like something, something like that was happening to me. And, um, I was just like, what does it all mean? Like all the things that I wanted to do with my life, like right. they're just stalling, you know? And I, I wanted to mm-hmm. be a music critic. I wanted to be a professional illustrator. And then hilariously enough, um, I, I realize I'm veering way off topic, but I... No, this is wonderful. Just say it all. And I'm going to circle back to so many things. So just keep going. Okay, great. Um, I realized the other day, and I, I started tweeting this, but I realized that the last time Venus was in retrograde was when I heard from Tavi Gevinson from Rookie. And she hit me up over Tumblr and was like, I want you to draw something for Rookie. And I was like, well, yeah, of course I'm down, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, and I had done, you know, I'd done like some commissions and stuff for people, but I hadn't really gotten to do something creative, like do, do something that was like my vision. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to illustration, I just like wasn't able to do that professionally or get get paid for it really. Um, and so, 
I did that summer. I started, uh, I started illustrating for rookie. I had, I think at the end of the summer, the first rookie yearbook was published. Um, and had, you know, some of my drawings in it and I just, or it, it was specifically a comic, like at the very last page of the yearbook, uh, was a comic that I did about befriending my local, like alt rock radio DJ. <laughs> oh, I love that. That yeah. was like, I think that was the, that was the first time that I had been published like in a major, uh, book, I guess. Um, I'd done illustrations mm -hmm. for like, you know, different like zines and like, um, a couple of like anarchisty books here and there, but right. this was like the biggest project that I had taken on. And I started it during Venus retrograde in 2012. That's so exciting. And I, I think I remember you posting about that on Twitter and I forgot that we had that connection that like, we had both written for Rookie at one point or another because I used to yeah. do the new moon scopes with Dylan um, That's right. and the advice column there too. And like, I don't know, Rookie's, I could rave about Rookie for probably hours. Um, I was always <laughs> just like so proud to be involved in that as a project. Um, but mm -hmm. that's incredibly beautiful that the last time Venus retrograde happened in Gemini was kind of when you saw that springboard from feeling like a little lost or a little like, I don't know what I want to be studying or writing or doing it to finding mm -hmm. that direction. Cause I think Venus retrograde is really scary. I can definitely get freaked out by Venus and Mars retrogrades and I'm an astrologer. <laughs> so it's good to see that it's not all bad. I actually yeah. looked in my own chart and, um, that same day, what was it? Um, May 15th, 2012. Yeah. Um, was the very first day I ever worked at the university where I work uh, to this day. Um, oh, so so I'm, I'm kind of shook and I'm, I'm curious to see uh, what will happen next. But um, obviously Venus retrogrades have power is what I'm learning. So mm -hmm. um, I wanted to circle back to something you said that I just want to emphasize for the listeners because I think it's so important. Um, you mentioned about um, reading tarot and just being like so enthusiastic about it and so passionate, excited, and wanting to share it with everyone and reading for lots of people. And then mm -hmm. finding yourself having to draw those boundaries um, mm -hmm. and finding that relationship to be a little bit fuzzy. And I think that maybe in, you know, with astrology and tarot on Twitter and Instagram and kind of in conversation everywhere, that's something that we don't talk about enough is like, yes. where does the line between um, either having a good time and having a fun dialogue with a friend or a fun text exchange and someone using you or someone depleting you come in? Um, yes. So, yeah, I would just encourage everybody who's listening to like, especially during the Venus retrograde, pay attention to your own practices and um, mm -hmm. make sure that what you're doing still feels good and fun. And if not ask why and take steps, cause you deserve to, to feel good. Uh, astrology is supposed to be fun. Um, I keep trying to Absolutely. remind everybody of that. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Mm. Um, but I love that you found tarot first. I don't know too many people that like tarot is where they kind of began. 
a lot of people are like, well, I read my horoscope. So that's a really interesting <laughs> entry point, right? Um, yeah. I mean, the the way that I connected with tarot is, is the, the narrative aspect of it. Like, it's mm, really good mm -hmm. if you're a storyteller, because the whole thing Absolutely. revolves around a story. The fool's journey is like the, <laughs> like, that's, a, that's <laughs> the story that the tarot tells. And from there, I mean, especially with all the illustrations, and you know that I'm a visual person, I'm like, uh, I gravitated towards tarot so much for all those things because it is very interdisciplinary um, and inspiring to me as like a writer. Um, you know, there are times when I just like think about even even when when writing about um, an artist now, you know, at work, like. I, I think I think to myself, oh, my God, this situation is so like, I don't know, judgment card or something like I think about the visuals from those uh, from the cards and like kind of let that inform the energy with which I'm writing mm -hmm. about certain mm -hmm. things. Um, I I do readings before I do stories sometimes like when I'm when I'm kind of stuck on a story and I'm, I just like don't know where to go with it. Um, I will pull some cards about it and just see what comes up. And I find that's helpful. I love that. I've, I'm always curious about how people are using tarot, but I don't think I actually know too many other writers who are like, yes, I definitely use tarot as a, as a tool in what I do. So that is amazing. Yeah. You know, it's so... You're right. That symbolic language is so powerful. I think I remember I had a creative writing teacher in college who brought tarot cards. I didn't know what they were at the time and like handed <laughs> everybody out a tarot card. And that was our prompt. Um, uh -huh. And I remember thinking like, whoa, this feels really weird and kind of cool, but I don't know what this is. And it wasn't until years later that I realized, oh, that was those were the tarot cards. And she was bringing this into the <laughs> classroom. But um, yeah, the potential for like learning and kind of unlocking those blocks is, is so mm -hmm. amazing and powerful. Um, so picking back up the threads of your, um, your amazing story from Tara Reader in the college dorm, um, to <laughs> Tavi Gavinson contacted you to make this awesome illustration for Rookie. So mm -hmm. now, and for some time, you've been working with, Rolling Stone as a music critic. How did that yeah. come into your life? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it it was a wild ride. Um, but right. essentially, <laughs> it came through Rookie for sure. Um, okay. You know, thankfully, I mean, it, it's just like so amazing to have forged these relationships with so many powerful women. You know, like in yeah. in one. Uh, space and I, I i don't know like not every not every website is like rookie i mean most of them are not like we had absolutely not i want to confirm <laughs> rookie was always so professional and just treated their writers well it just yeah yes. raves forever <laughs> yeah and it, it was like a community and mm -hmm. so i felt like i really benefited from from just like having access to a community of women who did the things that I wanted to do, you know, and 
just kind mm. of struggled. I, I struggled with like the kind of straight and narrow path because I graduated in 2011. So we were in the middle of a recession, couldn't find a job anywhere. Um, you know, my, my family was so like, they just did not get it. They didn't understand it at all. They were like, why can't you find a job? You have a degree, <laughs> you know? And like <laughs> my parents, they didn't have bachelor's degrees. Like, you know, they didn't go to college the same way that everybody else goes to college. Like my mom went to night school for a long time when I was growing up. And like, mm-hmm. it's just like my, you know, most people in my family just didn't go to college and didn't understand. And so I felt so like exhausted just trying to explain that like I could be a freelancer and like also have another job. You know, they'd be like, you're just a nanny. And I'd be like, no, I'm writing. But it was so, and I'm sure a lot of freelancers also like understand this, this struggle, you know, or your family just does not get it. And like, uh, it was, I, I was freelancing at Rolling Stone. I started freelancing for them in like 2014. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that was because, so I wrote the occasional like, um, like music article for Rookie, like occasionally um, under Jess Hopper, who was the music editor at the time. So I, I was like, I did a couple of interviews. I did more like album reviews or like mm-hmm. music suggestions, playlists I did. So I just started participating a lot more in the music space. And like at the same time, I was also in a punk band and like very involved in the punk community and the zine community. And so like, I think that's how, you know, Je- Jessica Hopper and I like connected. It's also how I connected with Juliana Scobello Shepard, who like, um also you know supported me in my writing pursuits um Mm -hmm. because she also comes from zines and so it was really neat to meet these women you know who wrote like incredible stories you know whether for rolling stone or for spin you know um all kinds of outlets and like it i was like okay how do i do the thing that you're doing and Sure enough, you know, at some point, Jessica was like, listen, like my friend at Rolling Stone is looking for uh, more young women to write on the website um, and review albums. Like, would you be interested in this? And I was like, of course I would, (laughs) you know, right. (laughs) Um, I actually did this in in high school. I was the I was the arts editor at my high school paper and was like, reviewing records since I was 15 years old. So like, I was not new to that practice per se. It was just hard. Like in college, our, I went to the new school in New York and like mm-hmm. the, the paper there, it was very, very clicky. And it was like almost entirely white people. And like, it was yes. like, I could be in journalism class with all of these people, but they would not give me a chance to like write about anything because like, we weren't like chummy enough. So it, it was really frustrating being like coming from high school where I had been running my own arts section for years and then like writing music reviews and I just couldn't do it in college. So thankfully the internet came through and I got some like good writing clips from Rookie. And also like I wrote for Bitch. I wrote for Feministing a couple of times. Like 
it's not like I was new. Um, so once I sent, um, he's my editor now, but once I sent Simon Bosick Levinson, some clips of mine from these websites, he was like, all right, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, why don't you, why, why don't you review this white long record? And that was, that was that. And it was, um, I just kept writing for the review section until they hired me full time in 2015. Mm. The persistence paid off clearly, and now now all of the um, the individuals who weren't interested in having you write for the college paper are probably um, not <laughs> amused. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that that's such a wonderful story, and I think something that is like really special to see like you come out the other end of that. Um, and I love that you mentioned like women supporting women in the writing process. Like I definitely wouldn't mm -hmm. be where I am today at all if I didn't have my sort of bi-coastal coven of women who <laughs> helped me figure out the process of, you know, I was a writer, I majored in English and I, I was starting to freelance on the numinous, um, and I had my own blog, but I didn't understand the the world of pitching and freelancing. And um, I remember over coffee one day, my friend Gabriella Herstick, who's been on this podcast, she was like, I'm writing for Vice. And I was like, how, what do you mean? We're both here in South Carolina. How does that work? Um, and one thing I didn't led know to she another. Was from South Carolina. She went to college here. Um, she's kind of lived all over the place, like Georgia and California. Um, mm -hmm. But well, we met when she was in college uh, in Columbia. So, yeah. Wow. I know. It was very special. I feel like the, the North Node and Venus kind of conspired to have us meet. And I'm very, very <laughs> grateful. Um, but on your uh, writing uh, style, like... Looking at your chart, so everybody who's listening, uh, Susie is Pisces rising, and I want to get into that <laughs> in a second. But since you have Pisces rising with this beautiful Sagittarius midheaven, I just I feel like you were born to write about music in this very like larger than life, very visible way, you know? Because I feel like you are a music critic's music critic, you know, like you. Oh, thank you. you like this there's this passion for music and this like depth of history of music of all different genres that you just that you bring that I love reading as someone who has like a little bit of a background in music um mm -hmm. but then the Sagittarius like it has such reach you know and you're always trying to pull in different cultures and different viewpoints it's just I don't know there's never a world in which that wasn't going to happen for you I don't think it's such a good manifestation of both of those signs so I love mm -hmm. that you see that. Yeah, completely. That was like one of the things that jumped out. Um, and I know you were like stressed about um, both uh, Susie and I are shaking because we have um, <laughs> the nodes just moved into Gemini, North Node into Gemini and South Node into Sagittarius on the 5th, uh -huh. which is like uh, about a week ago now. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and so it's my first house and your 10th house. So we're just like, is this going to turn us into dicks? Like, are we going to be mean to everybody? Or like, you know, like what is going to happen? We are like emailing back and forth. Like, I'm scared. I don't know. But I think that I, I feel really strongly that the South Node in Sierra 10th house is kind of this like professional homecoming, right? Like 
almost like mm-hmm. getting back to the heart of why you do it. And, um, you know, if, I guess if you can't be in your home, home of New York, like finding your home in the music, right? Um, yeah. Since the North Third is opposite in the fourth house. It's a weird time, but it is I'm excited so to see weird. how it goes. <laughs> no, me too. And I have like, mm. no, I've been, I've been thinking a lot about that. I mean, it's, <laughs> what's really funny is I was like thinking like, hmm, I think I want to leave New York later this year. Um, I've been you know, hearing the, a lot of that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially now, but I was saying yeah. this like back in November, I was like, hmm, I think I want to try living somewhere else by the end of mm. next year. Um, because I've been in New York for almost 13 years. And for me, I think like it was getting, I mean, it's a lot different now. We'll see where Mm -hmm. the cards fall, but you know, it was starting to become like super unsustainable for me. Um, I think Mm -hmm. just like the way that I was living (laughs) before quarantine was just out of control. Like just having a really hard time with like um, ha- making time to take care of myself, having to be at like a million places at once was just exhausting. It's it's like a lifestyle thing, you know? And like I did that lifestyle sure. for <laughs> like over 12 years. And um, it's, I think that you can live in New York and not drive yourself crazy. But unfortunately, like when you're in the media in New York, it's different. It's a totally different existence. You have to be available at all times and like um, still make time for a social life and still somehow take care of yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And like, I just had such a hard time balancing things. Um, I also like broke up with someone almost like seven months ago. And mm. it was at that point, I was like, man, I really don't, I don't need to be here. I mean, for work, of course, like, I guess I, right. but I was, you know, I was really jonesing to like figure out a way to keep doing what I do just like from somewhere else. Um, because the city has been kicking my ass, you know, especially in the last year, it's just seriously been kicking my ass. I have like a, I figured out that I have this like chronic pain issue and I was mm. like, I am exhausted. Like, get me in sure. a place where, I don't have to be constantly like grinding all the time just to afford like a small apartment. Um, I think that that's going to change a lot. I think New York is going to change a lot. And the thing is, is I love it. It's just like um, before quarantine, you know, rent was always going up. Um, Expenses Mm -hmm. were always going up. Everything just only gets more expensive in New York City. It's incredible. Um, and I was just like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you're like, I don't need this in my life anymore. The fourth house North node is going to help you. Like, I really feel like you're going to find that perfect place to land. I I believe that for you completely. Um, Thank you. I wonder how much, you know, I've been thinking about, I think about this a lot because, um, of my own experiences as a freelancer, you know, I've always lived in South Carolina. I've traveled back and forth to New York on a couple occasions. Hmm. Um, 
but like I've always done my work from here and I love this place and it's so mm -hmm. beautiful and um you know it's just it, it's my home um mm -hmm. but I've definitely received some negative comments um or <laughs> just people not being receptive to that um hmm. I think a lot of people are just have outmoded ideas of what it means to be from the south even though yes um, we're probably nicer than you anyways um, <laughs> <laughs> um it's and, true you know, honestly like a little bit of shame that I, I was not willing to drop um all my connections down here and put myself in a perilous position to go up north yes. to New York um yeah. maybe there's a feeling of like well I did that so you should have to do the same um <laughs> but the point of, the point of that is that you know I feel happy that at this point I've been able, it's been a lot harder and it's taken longer, but I've been able to carve out a niche without, you know, turning my back on that. And I'm curious mm -hmm. how like Saturn conjunct Pluto, which was so huge and happened back in January, like, you know, mm. Saturn is boundary, like the boundaries of space and time and Pluto mm -hmm. is just total overhaul. And I have heard from so many friends and colleagues in many many different industries who um particularly from new york although from some other major cities too they're just saying like mm -hmm. with the the quarantine has really brought to the fore that saturnian issue of space and mm -hmm. you know feeling free and feeling at home and so i'm definitely thinking that we'll probably see more people moving or trying to find new places to live after the quarantine because I think also we, none of us have really spent this much time in our homes before, you know, mm -hmm. you're like, it's oh, well, I'll just get this apartment because I won't really be there that much anyways. But then if you mm -hmm. have to be, that becomes different. Um, have you ever looked at your astrocartography map? I don't know much about it, but I, I enjoy looking just to like see what might be a good place. I definitely have. <laughs> so I was looking at it earlier this year. Really? And yes. And the results were spicy. I Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I loved the results. I actually made a list. Let's see if I can find this list. I made a list of all the cities that I should consider living in. And not all of them were in the US. Um <gasps> exciting. I yeah, love that. I mean, me, I make, you know, like I write about Latin music. And so I was considering living in a Spanish speaking country um, to get <sighs> better at my Spanish. And mm -hmm. I mean, now I don't know about that anymore, but <laughs> I would love it still. <laughs> but okay, like the first one, I mean, the ones that stood out to me. Um, where <laughs> it's so funny i had and I'll, I'll tell you like some of these aspects too um mm -hmm. it was telling me washington dc was a great place uh the american cities like the top american cities for me would have been dc new orleans and los angeles um oh yeah yeah, Los Angeles had like a bunch of different lines um, going over it. It was like, I think Mars was like well aspected in uh, in Los Angeles. And I was definitely 
I mean, I, I've been thinking about moving there anyway, but at the same time, everybody's moving there. And I was like, do I really want to do the same thing that I did in New York and, you know, like contribute to like gentrification? Um, mm, I'm not yeah. sure. Could I get a job that would pay me enough to live in Los Angeles? I don't know. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, New Orleans, on the other hand, that would be different, you know, and it would, it would be in the South. Um, I grew up in North Florida, so I'm not, you know, like that wouldn't be a huge culture shock for me. Um, but then I started looking at like different, uh, cities in Spanish speaking countries. And it seems like there are a few cities in Spain that I would do really well in. Um, I think. Valencia had like two like harmonious lines like cutting right through the center of it and so I, oh, wow. I guess one of these days I'll have to go to Valencia uh even if I don't you know like live there I would like to spend right. some time there um, <laughs> you have no choice you have to go yeah I have to go um and then you know like a, a couple places and Mexico. Interestingly enough, like Chile, which I went to for the first time two years ago, um, it says the moon's nodes like trine um, the longitudinal line that runs through Chile. And oh, wow. Yeah. And I had such an amazing time there. Like, I really, um, I made a lot of friends. I like, I don't know, it, it felt like a really easy energy. I, I felt very like, safe and um the people were super friendly so i would love to go back there and uh also havana havana which is where my grandparents are from like that was another place that um stood out when i was doing my astrocartography map so i definitely have oh, to go wow. there at some point that is so cool. I love that you already have it like all mapped out. I have a really special line going right through Barcelona. So if you go <gasps> to Spain, I'll have yes. to visit you and we'll go on a trip. It'll be great. Um, Please do. But yeah, it, you know, I looked up astrocartography because I've, you know, I've traveled to a few places and I was curious specifically about when I went to Paris and London, I had this like it was the strangest thing, but I felt like I was home, like more home hmm. than I am in like other places, like even my home home. Um, yeah. I don't speak any French at all. And people were like <laughs> asking me for directions. The person I was with spoke French and they were like, um, you're actually not from here. Um, so yeah, like it just, it made sense. I mean, like everybody wears black and like chain smokes and eats chocolate all day. That's obviously reductive, but I was like, yeah, this is the place for me. It just makes sense. Um, but when I looked at the astrocartography on it, it was my, um, my moon line, uh, runs right through there. And it was like the moon intersecting with the nodes and the literal, uh, translation of that, that I got was like you maybe had a past life here or this is just a place that feels good to you. So I was, mm -hmm. I was really impressed. And ever since then, I've kind of looked at that. I know it's kind of sad to be looking at during a time when we don't know when travel is really going to open up, but I found it to be no. a fun exercise in dreaming, right? Like just because mm -hmm. things are bad, doesn't mean that you shouldn't envision. This is actually a really cool opportunity to envision the kind of future that you might want for yourself.
even if you have to wait for it, right? Yeah. No, this is this is a great time to dream. Um I I'm definitely like uh especially for me like being being single and like be, being like, "Oh, I can literally <laughs> go anywhere I want to," you know. Um and not, you know, have to plan my life around somebody else's is like a very freeing thing. Unfortunately, it happened to be, you know, six months in and I got quarantined. So <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, oh, what rat. can you do? Right. <laughs> what can you do? <laughs> but I mean, I can just plot the, you know, my upcoming world tour. Who knows? Like, there maybe you this go. is the time for me to plan my world tour. But it'll, you'll be all set when everybody else goes back on tour in 2021. You'll just launch yourself too. And it'll be, uh, you'll be headlining. I'll go see it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll hang out in Spain. <laughs> yes. Good plan. So I love that you, the Pisces rising person is like, now is the time to dream. I think that's just the perfect, um, manifestation of, of that. I know like, you might be the only Pisces rising I know. Um, I was looking really? at all the charts in my database and I was like, yeah, I really, I can't think of anybody else that I know that's Pisces rising. Um, but I feel like you embody all the archetypes perfectly. Like the poet, the musician, the artist, the psychic, like you check every <laughs> single Pisces rising box. So for those of us who like aren't as familiar with the Pisces energy, I know we've talked about that on this podcast before. Um, how do you relate to your Pisces rising or like, what advice do you have for us in understanding that? <laughs> I think that the Pisces rising person is going to be very hard to pin down. Um, mm -hmm. I think that our identities are just like destined to be very fluid. Um, I don't just say that because it's a water sign, but literally like, I feel like Pisces are kind of the chameleons and we yes, find 100%. Yeah. We just like find ways to fit in or like, you know, take, uh, we, we, we take the shape of whatever like space we're, we're put in. I remember I was interviewing Becky G about this last year and, um, she was, she she's like a super Pisces and she was like, yeah, that's the, this is what being a Pisces is. Like I can adapt to anything. You have a cup. I'm water. I will just fill up the cup. I will take whatever shape the cup is. It's fine. <laughs> like that's just. And she was like, she was like, I can take whatever shape it is and still be me. And I feel mm -hmm. like that's like, that that's a very Piscean quality. And for me growing up, like, I mean, for me, I'm very, Everybody knows that like my brand is like Latinimo, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, everybody knows that I'm like emo as fuck. That's like a very strong, uh, part of my identity, especially is just very moody music and like liking a lot of like dark things. But at the same time, I always growing up, I was always friends with like a lot of different people. Um, I could you know, I have friends from like so many different walks of life and can kind of like blend in to any situation. Um, I mean, socially at least like I can, I can make friends 
wherever I go, but it's just like, you know, I spend some time with someone and then I gradually learn how it is that they communicate. And like, um, mm. I try and be very like perceptive about that or, or just like, um, being really aware of like how someone communicates and like how it is, you know, I communicate with them in turn. Um, and it's a sort of like social camouflage thing that I've just always done. So like, I don't know, like I'm not someone who likes sports really, or I don't really follow them unless it's like the U S women's soccer team for reasons. Yes. But, <laughs> reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't know, you put me in like a, you put me in a football game or like a baseball game and I'm going to watch, I'm going to like crack jokes and eventually get to know the people around me. Like, um, that's just how I am and how I've always been. Um, so I feel like that's, and of course the Pisces like is the dreamer and is like, um, I mean, I feel like it's really come out in my art and like, I'm someone who's always been very, like, I don't pick one discipline, you know, like I'm a singer. I'm, mm -hmm. I also like, I illustrate, I, um, I used to be really into poetry, actually. Um, I used to like making movies a lot <laughs> or making like little music videos, like with my friends. I, I just always loved that. And that's like, um, I feel like just trying a little bit of everything is, is my, is my Pisces rising at work. Mm, I love that. Yes, you do it all. Just a little bit of a little bit of everything. Also, making music videos with your friends um, is a big <laughs> mutable mood for sure. I feel like I remember <laughs> doing a little bit of that too. Um, so on the Pisces yeah, we play front, pretend. <laughs> yes, you're so right. It's like it's not so much like the Leo form of dress up or performance. Mm -hmm. It's that yeah. wanting to really like blend and fit into to a mm -hmm. fantasy world. Right. Yes, exactly. So I feel like you have a knack for just attracting super Pisces people into your orbit. Um, <laughs> you were just telling yes. me that. Um, so tomorrow, as we're recording this, your very first Rolling Stone cover story will be out on Bad Bunny. Oh. And I'm so excited to read it. Like, I cannot wait. It's a huge deal. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I am like, I'm so ready for it to be out in the world. I can't tell you. <laughs> I've been working on it for like two months. I mean, the entire time that oh, I've wow. been in quarantine. The reason I ended up in Miami is because I was on my way to Puerto Rico. <laughs> oh. Because I was going to interview him Surprise. in Puerto Rico. And literally, it was like the day before I was supposed to leave, like, the governor <gasps> shut down the island. So I was like, well, <laughs> uh, you know, I told my family because I was I was staying with them and I was only supposed to be here for like three days. I was like, well, looks like uh, you guys are going to be seeing a lot more of me. <laughs> wow. Holy yeah. moly. I guess so this would have been on later. the tail end of that, like Mercury retrograde in Pisces too. Yikes. Yes. <laughs> And I knew it, like, I tried to push my bosses to make this story happen sooner. I was like, I mean, mm. 
like back in December, I was like, can we plan something for January? Because I knew the retrograde was coming up. And I was like, uh-huh. I don't know about this one. I really don't know about this one. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, come on, guys, like, let's make a plan. Let's make a plan. And I was being so annoying, you know, um, they're probably like, what is she editors. talking about? This happens yeah. when you are into <laughs> astrology and the other people don't know. <laughs> they don't know. And so I was like, <laughs> it was originally like the, what I was talking to Bad Bunny's team about was like, we were talking about possibly going to Japan because they filmed a video in Japan in like January. And so I was like, oh yeah, oh my God, this would be amazing. The astrology would be perfect. Like, Maybe, you know, maybe this is it. (laughs) And my bosses were like, we're not sending you to Japan. Are you kidding? Like, what? (laughs) And I was like, okay, okay, that was a pipe dream. Um, But really, like, I need to, I need to go and like, um, I knew Bad Bunny was working on this record in Miami. I was like, just let me go to Miami and like do just like shadow him in the studio. It'll be great. And they kind of like, you know, mold over it. And eventually, Finally, at the end of February, they were like, okay, like you're going to Puerto Rico. And I was like, I'm going to Puerto Rico. And then COVID happened. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. What a retrograde. What, what a winter spring season. That's just, that had to have been overwhelming for you. Also, y'all, I have to say, so this is Susie's like Virgo meets Pisces energy at work. We were going to record this on Sunday. It's now currently Wednesday, I think, or Tuesday. I don't know what day it is because it's quarantine, y'all. It's fine. Um, <laughs> we were going to do this a couple days ago, and I get this message, and she says, um, there was unexpected circumstances so, uh, on the article, so can we delay? I was like, yeah, of course. That sounds fine. And I figured, like, I don't know, like, maybe you weren't, like, feeling well or just, like, I don't know, like, the you had to, like, copy edit something. And then I logged on the next day and this new album was on Spotify. I was like, wow, okay, I see now. I see what has happened. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So professional, so calm, just like totally like Virgo modesty, just like downplayed it and like it totally blended. But then as soon as I cranked up Spotify the next day, I was like, son of a bitch. Like... (laughs) Uh, yeah, that's, that was my response when I found out, um, that it was going to (laughs) happen because I had, I had just finished the cover story. I had filed my final edit on Thursday night and then Friday it was finalized and we sent it to the printers. And then that Friday night is when we found out that the new album was coming out that Sunday. (gasps) And I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. (laughs) <laughs> I had to rewrite some of it like you know I had to go back I'm and sure then, um and I was so annoyed and then I get on the phone with Benito and I'm just like really <laughs> like really my dude like you you really had to do this uh I was like why did you do this <laughs> He had to do it to you, you know? He he had to do it it. to me. He's so mutable. Like, he has so much Pisces in his chart. So, San Benito, he has Sun, Moon, and Mars in Pisces. And as someone who also has Mars in Pisces, I 
<laughs> I am maybe not proud of this, but we're sometimes so creative and so driven by our intuition slash our whims that we'll be like, uh-huh. no, this cannot happen now. We must wait another week for me, for all the stars to align and for me to feel perfectly <laughs> about it. Um, yeah. So he can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, he really, I mean, I think that's, that is one of, his superpowers, though, is that he's a very intuitive guy. Like, I think that he has yeah. his he has a finger on the pulse of what people want. And like, I think that um, it's so funny because I'm like a triple Virgo sun, moon, Mars. So I'm like on the opposite end. And I swear to God, I've spent the last three years at Rolling Stone just like following this guy, you know, like chasing after, mm -hmm. you know, the latest thing that he has. And feeling so exhausted by it and being like, why are you like this? <laughs> but also appreciating it for what it is because he, I think that he's, he's all about timing. I think he's all about following his, uh, he, he, he just has like a, and I, I write this in my story, but he has like a sixth sense for a hit. He has a sixth sense for what people are going to really vibe with you know um mm -hmm. and so i find that it's it's been fascinating you know learning more about him as a person and like where he comes from uh because it's and also like you know looking at his chart has been really funny and like informative for me um i didn't get to go into it that much and i mean I don't really like bring up astrology that much in my articles as much as I wish I could. Um, right. <laughs> every once in a while, you know, like an artist is interested in it and they're like, oh, yeah, tell me more about that, you know, and we get into it. And then other times they're like, oh, oh, yeah, that old thing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I guess I'm an Aquarius. All right. I, I don't know anything about that. Whatever. You know, next question. Um, <laughs> And so it's, it's been really funny. I think that he, um, I think that he's interested in that stuff, but is also like, you know, he, he's, he's interested in so many things. <laughs> he's yes. like, oh yeah, I am a Pisces. I think, I think I was feeling like a Pisces when I did this, you know, <laughs> like, he'll say things like that or like right. he has a new song about um, being a Pisces and being concerned that his, uh, that it's not going to work out with a Capricorn. His current girlfriend is a Capricorn, but he swears the song is not about her. Uh, I guess he's what? dated other Capricorns. So <laughs> maybe so. But yeah. So we had a conversation about that. That was really funny. I was like, I was like, in this song, you say that Pisces and Capricorn don't get along, but I think that Pisces and Capricorn is a great pairing. And he was like, he's like, oh yeah, I didn't know. That was not about Gabriella. That was about someone else. And I was like, okay. What? <laughs> Maybe this other ex-girlfriend was like a Leo rising or something that just would like right. completely clash with the Pisces. We, you, you gotta believe that. So yeah, I'm sure she had some kind of like trifling moon or something. Trifling <laughs> no, his, moon. <laughs> <laughs> no, his current girlfriend Gabriella. She took the photos for the cover story, and she had to like direct oh, wow. him and stuff. And she's a Capricorn Sun Cancer Moon. And I find that fascinating. I like, I love that. 
her um I think that's like how they managed to like get along um and you know like she she has a sensitive side and they've been together 3 years they really like each other apparently they can work together which is what we've learned this quarantine. Yeah, you know. that's that's really impressive that they can yeah. actually work together at such a high level because that's a lot of pressure right. too on like a, a couple who is not like, you know, married or something. Even then it would be a lot. I feel like right. that... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I can't imagine ever asking an artist like, you know, can your can your partner like take photos for us. And the only reason we did that is because like we can't travel because nobody can travel. And she happens to have a nice camera. And like, that was how that happened. We were supposed to send a photographer over, but even if we hired somebody in Puerto Rico, where could they go? Everybody's on lockdown. Like you get arrested if you're like out on the beach. Like there was no way that that could have happened safely. Holy shit. If she wasn't there. So it all, I mean, I think it was just kismet, you know, like he happens to be with a very talented woman who just happened to be on standby with a great camera (laughs) and she, she snapped some really beautiful photos for us. Um, Mm. but yeah, I can't wait to see them. You know, I, I wonder too, like, I feel like that almost adds to the, the the narrative and the artistry of those photos is that like relationship that they have like I'm curious what that brings out like what aspects of him that brings out so I can't wait to see them I, I will be blowing up your email as soon as I do so <laughs> um as far as him having like a sixth sense for hits, I just wanted to drop this really quickly. I was looking mm-hmm. to see like, I don't know. I like to look at the timeline of when artists kind of have a big break or if they've had a big breaks in other countries, but then they sort of become popular in the United States or somewhere else. Like what's really happening there. Um, mm-hmm. And I saw that he was having a Jupiter return in Scorpio when Cardi hmm. B released I Like It and Drake released wow. um, Mia. I, so, yeah. yeah. So, I, I thought that was amazing. And then, uh, wow. I guess a few months after that, Jupiter moved over his North Node and Pluto and he just like, all of a sudden, he was just on every song, everywhere. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I don't know if he looks at astrology himself, but it, if he doesn't, or even if he does, like he has such a Scorpios have strong instincts, um, yes. or anybody with sort of Scorpio placements. And so uh-huh. I, I kind of credit a lot of his success to that, like what you said, like that vibe for when is the right time to make this happen? Yeah. And his, his manager said that too. His manager was like, it's kind of weird. He just knows like, the timing for he he knows the right timing for everything and even if it's going to drive us all crazy like i trust him with that and i was mm-hmm. like huh there's got to be something going on in his chart <laughs> i yeah. told his publicist i told his publicist i was like get him with an astrologer like just sit him down like you don't have to make him do it but i swear to you like it would blow his mind especially looking back at the last couple years And I love that you talked about his Jupiter return um, because that is when a lot of magic happens, you know, or like when Jupiter's in your 
first house. I don't have his rising sign, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I really, I did tell his team, I was like, please just get him to an astrologer. <laughs> like after <laughs> when this is over, just do it. <laughs> Listen, um, I am available. My Spanish is extremely rusty, but I am more than happy <laughs> to walk him through the ins and outs of his start if need be. Okay. We have this covered. Then we can go on a world tour. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the last question I really wanted to ask you about your natal chart is, so one of the most popular episodes about astrologers ever was about Lilith, <laughs> who I absolutely love and adore. Um, go listen to it if you're new and you haven't yet. Um, but listeners, one thing that you absolutely must know about Susie is that she has this gorgeous Lilith tattoo and so I wanted to ask you, like, what inspired you to get the tattoo or how do you relate to the energy of Lilith, like, so much that you wanted to put that on your body? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it's kind of intense. I, so I was in college. I was 19 when I got that tattoo. And I was just like, um, my, I, I think, like, when I was in college, for some reason, that was like the most uh, intuitive that I had ever felt in my life. It was mm. it was really interesting. It was a time where I was visited by like, you know, like spirits um, in I don't talk about it a lot. <laughs> I mean, you, you wow. probably understand why you wouldn't talk about that a lot, but um, I totally understand. And I've had similar experiences. And I get yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> For some reason, when I was like 18, 19, 20, I was just like super activated and mm. would get like, just have like these really interesting like encounters with, with spirits, um, you know, whether, whether in dreams or sometimes like, you know, strange things would happen um, mm -hmm. in my dorm or like in my room. Um, and I just like started studying a lot more about um all the asteroids and astrology like i started looking at like more advanced astrology to try and figure out like okay what's happening <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> why i can't quite i can't quite remember exactly like what i found was happening during that time but this was like um this was 2008 2009 2010 and it was so hard. It felt like, I felt like I was very vulnerable. It felt like my walls were down. And mm -hmm. so I was attracting like a lot of dangerous people, um, mm -hmm. you know, as well as like spirits. It was also, I think I was also just attracting bad spirits, but like through other people. And like, I was sexually assaulted in college and like, uh, felt very like, oh my God, is it going to be this way forever? And like right. feeling super down um, and feeling like there was no, feeling very unprotected in a lot of ways. And I looked at my chart and then found, uh, I started reading about Lilith and was like, whoa, like I have never heard of this thing. And I just got obsessed. And like, I think that she's also like, she's a really important symbol for survivors. And, um, it, my Lilith falls in Libra in, I believe my eighth house. So mm -hmm. yeah. 
So it's like, yeah, it's in my eighth house. And when I was reading about it, I read that like Lilith and Libra was like the position of like, um, you know, like the way that you channel Lilith, if you have Lilith and Libra is like by seeking justice and constantly fighting for some semblance of like balance and equality and like, um, empowerment, you know, especially after going through something like violent, like I think I needed to see mm -hmm. that. And I was like, okay, this is part of like, uh, you know, like my mission is, is really for me to like fight for myself and like, you know, um, if no one else is going to fight for me, then I'm going to fight for me. And that was mm. kind of like, um, I think around that time I had already been, I was organizing, um, with a few other people at my college, like the, the first take back the night at the new school. And so I got like really into that. And, um, every year organized take back the night and like did different like um events about uh we organized lots of events around like consent like consent workshops and right. you know like general i mean like fun sexy workshops but mostly around like consent and uh intimate partner violence and i was doing all these like i i became like a trained um I guess like uh what it, I, I like can't a crisis think of it, but counselor? Yeah, yeah. So like yeah. doing crisis counseling type stuff and like doing all these workshops and that was my my college, my main college activity really was like going all in on survivor support and like also we didn't have a sexual assault policy at my college. Me and my friends got together and we drafted one and like Mm -hmm. really fought for it um because you know what happened to me happened to so many other people and like we never <laughs> like nothing really happened um to the perpetrators you know there was no right. system in place for us like that was the thing that horrified me the most after what this person did to me was like there was nowhere i could go <laughs> there's literally nowhere Absolutely. to go um mm -hmm. so and so it it was it was a really intense time in my life. And I remember just being 19 and reading about this and I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna just like Lilith the fuck out of this. <laughs> <laughs> and it became my first tattoo, the Lilith symbol on my wrist. That was my first tattoo. That was your first tattoo. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you so much for sharing that story. Cause I know that so many people need to hear it. It's something that you know, I know it's hard to talk about, but like the more we talk about it, the more we can gain strength from it. And Lilith yeah. as an energy, like I feel like Libra, there is a fighting side to Libra that yes. doesn't really get acknowledged enough because Libra nope. is balanced by Aries and it's mm -hmm. about fighting for what is right, fighting for justice for the people who don't have it um, or for the injustices that have happened to you. And so I think especially like Lilith and Libra in the eighth house is this kind of wonderful learning how to fight um, for justice through pain regarding mm -hmm. a sexual experience. Um, yes. It's actually like really, really literal, but kind of 
beautiful in its own way. So I'm, I am really glad that you did that because a lot of people at your college in the future mm -hmm. had so much because of what you did. Um, right. I think. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, it's really hard to, I, I looked really quickly and it sounds like around that time you were having Neptune in your 12th house, like going right Ooh. real, real close to your North node. And Neptune, we talk about him a lot as being like psychic. It can definitely be like a sudden psychic opening, like what you were talking about where like, I don't know, like technology doesn't work around you or maybe your house is haunted or something like that. Um, <laughs> but the, the 12th house can be the house of like people who don't mean you well. Uh, traditionally, it's secret enemies. Mm -hmm. So people who like on the surface appear to be on your same team, but mm -hmm. underneath maybe aren't so much like they don't have pure intentions. And so, um, you know, with Neptune's porous boundaries and then the 12th house being what it is, I could definitely see that being a challenge. But it sounds like you completely transform that into being um, something that you learned from and then gave you strength later on. Right. Yeah, it definitely did. I think that's that's fascinating. I because I guess it must have been in the beginning stages of like Pisces, right? Like when it had just entered Pisces or it had been there for a little bit. Yeah, so it was like right in the right on that borderline between um, between Aquarius and Pisces. And then you have your North Node at um, 25 degrees Aquarius. So that's kind right. of back and forth. That is mm. fascinating. I, yeah, I could totally see that. Um, interesting. I'm going to do, <laughs> I'm going to do some more <laughs> do, reading about do that. It. Thank you. Another thing that I noticed about your Venus Lilith in Libra eighth house pileup is that asteroid Bacchus <laughs> is right on top of it. Um, Ooh. which I really like Bacchus people. Bacchus and Dionysus kind of points out someone who, um, has this really, ecstatic spirituality to them like wanting to in that pisces way like totally merge with the divine sometimes they're drinking a lot of wine sometimes through other <laughs> intoxicants but like definitely knows how to have a good time so i feel like bacchus there maybe like takes the edge off sometimes when it gets like a little bit much because i could see that being a lot <laughs> it's true <laughs> i really do love like i don't know i I like to think of myself as a very fun person. <laughs> like that's the thing. You is are. like I thank you. Um I think it really comes out when I'm like at karaoke. I think that's also another uh Pisces rising sport is karaoke mm -hmm. for me because I get to do all <laughs> kinds of voices and like, you know, just kind You're of right. blend into somebody else's song and suddenly like live inside of it uh is is something that i love about karaoke mm. and um yeah i do like having a good time i have to say i can be you know like when i'm mad about something i'm like fucking mad but like <laughs> <laughs> i can also be you know like i i like to enjoy myself life is too short to be angry all the time y'all heard it here first the pisces rising says life is too short to be to be upset. <laughs> <laughs> this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for taking all this time. This is so much longer than I anticipated, but I want everyone to be able to hear all of it. So, of course, I also wanted to talk about your chart a little bit. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. What do you have for me? <laughs> um, I'm fascinated that your Venus is like on your MC. I think that's like super cool. But then your Mars is also on your IC, like it's separated by like what? Three degrees. Let me see. That is like, it's one degree. Incredible yeah. <laughs> it's like one degree. Hold on. Yeah. And then your Lilith and your Venus are also together in Virgo. How do you feel about being someone whose Lilith and Venus are like, you know, like snuggled up? Because as someone Ooh. who also who has Lilith and Venus in Libra, I think about like, like personally, I think about how that corresponds to like your sexuality and mm -hmm. having the two of them in there. I don't know, like I could be wrong, but I feel like that's a lot of like, I don't know. Very it's like. There, I feel like there's a sapphic energy to it. I will say that. <laughs> I hadn't actually thought about that, but I think that is definitely true. Um, I feel like you have <laughs> me be on the sapphic energy because you have asteroid Sapho exact on your Pluto. When I saw what? that, I literally... Yes, yes, asteroid 80. I screamed. I was howling. Um, I, I, anytime I have someone on here, I'm like, okay, let's get all the asteroids going. Let's like go really deep. And I was like, okay, proven, verified, oh sapphic stamp. Um, but to your point about being someone that has Venus and Lilith snuggled up, I feel like um, it makes it trickier. I think you probably have a different experience having it with Venus in Libra, which is a place where mm -hmm. Venus is very at home. Um, very mm -hmm. comfortable and um, my Venus in Virgo is technically in fall um, so I don't it believe can be it. it's true <laughs> it's a thing well okay so here's how this works as I've read um, a lot about Venus in Virgo to try to like unravel so there's a lot of mm -hmm. particularly like women who are known for like doing things related to beauty, right? So like the obvious one I think is like Kim Kardashian or there's like Brigitte Bardot, like women who are mm -hmm. known as like beauty icons. Um, but I think the difference between like Venus and Libra and Venus and Virgo is that it's very practiced, right? Like mm. oftentimes you'll have experiences. I experienced this. I was not cute as a teenager um or, or in my youth i was like very very ugly duckling for sure i can't imagine um the pictures will never surface i promise um <laughs> <laughs> i was like mercifully made, made fun of i was called like frankenfeet like all this kinds of stuff oh. <laughs> but i think through those experiences like you become stronger and it, your aesthetic becomes a lot more like polished and focused and you you learn how to really like take pride in that and draw strength from it in a very like specific honed kind of way. Like it's very, you learn to be very together. Right. Um, and mm -hmm. Lilith energy is the antithesis of being together. Right. Hmm. So I feel like mm -hmm. as far as beauty or sex, it's this constant like push and pull between wanting to keep everything under control and then like letting yes. go of that control during the right time. Yes. So that was a lot. I hope that explains it. And I, I like that it's like the most visible thing in my chart right there at the tippy top. Um, that's one of my favorite yeah. parts of the chart. You might be interested in this. So um, I saw another person who has Mars on the IC. Um, and I think maybe Venus on the Midheaven, but I don't remember. It's Patricia Highsmith. 
um, wow. who wrote The Price of Salt. Yeah, yeah. she has um, Mars and Pisces on her IC. So hopefully that doesn't mean that I'm like a con artist and I'm going to like totally ruin people. I promise I'm not going to ruin anyone's life. Um, but hopefully <laughs> I will write lots of wonderful um, books with lesbian overtones. That's, that's a, the best <laughs> I can hope for, right? <laughs> I see it for you. I really do. <laughs> Good. I'm so glad. <laughs> mm. I love this. Um, I, I knew you were going to turn this around on me somehow. I like, I could feel it. I was like, she's a, <laughs> she's a journalist. She's going to ask me questions. I need to prepare. Yeah. Let's see. I, let's see. I'm looking elsewhere. You also have that like big planet stellium in your, in your first house, but it looks like yes. Saturn and Uranus are in Sag and then Neptune's in Capricorn. Um, how do you, I, I wonder how that has to do, like, if that has anything to do with like your, um, what you call your, <laughs> your like <laughs> ugly duckling phase and like the fact that Venus is on your midheaven, like, I wonder what the relationship between that is. Um, oh, 10 out just... of 10. <laughs> That's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, Saturn on the or in the first house and close to the ascendant is usually somebody who has a tougher upbringing or like specifically physically like develops later in life. Like I didn't even grow breasts till I was like 20 and wow. I showed up and I was like, wow, this is amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and, you know, obviously my Mars and Saturn are very square, like zero degrees mm -hmm. square. Um, so wow. that's always been kind of a, an area of tension, but something that over time definitely, um, you know, the Saturn, the first house thing, it's like clockwork after your first Saturn return. It's like, there you are, you know, it's like you weren't fully baked until after that. I don't know how else to say <laughs> it besides that, but it really is true. I felt so much more self-possessed and so much clearer on who I was because I think that having Neptune and Uranus in the first house, um, you know, you can be so connected to intuition and to spirit and to just wanting mm -hmm. to be a chameleon and go all over the place that mm -hmm. I think if I didn't have the Saturn there to stabilize it, I would be, I don't know, dead in a ditch or something. But fortunately, <laughs> the universe saw it fit to cram all those together. And so I get the, the good parts of the intuitive, super magical, um, Uranus and Neptune together with the stability of Saturn, which isn't always easy, but I like it. Yeah. I, I love this for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you're not in a ditch somewhere. Yes, <laughs> My last me too. question for you is that I also wanted to talk about your mutable Grand Cross. Oh, yes, I'm, I love I'm fascinated her. by Grand Crosses. <laughs> So, mm, being so when I first started studying astrology, I did not know that I had a grand cross. I thought I just had a bunch of T squares, and I got a reading from Mystic Medusa, who I talk about Ooh. constantly on this podcast, um, back <laughs> in 2012. And I still reference that reading, and every single thing that she said came true. So, she's the real deal, y'all. Um, mm -hmm. And she wrote to me and her words were, um, you don't have T-squares, you have a grand mutable cross, so don't expect me to feel bad for you having this amazing gift. 
Um, because I think I was probably like complaining or like, I feel like my life is exploding. I don't, don't know what to do. Um, but that's kind of how I've been able to see it. It's, it gives that, um, chaotic mutable energy, a structure, right. And I feel like I've been Mm -hmm. able to really build my life around that, um, that chaos and that chameleon-ness kind of like you, there's not just like one thing I do, right. I do like, Mm -hmm astrology i'm a writer and author i've done beauty and fashion i've done music um so it helps me to sort of stabilize all those different things at once um although you know being a mutable grand cross person i can definitely get stuck in like a um not using my energy wisely loop my whole life Mm -hmm. i discovered this in the quarantine depends on my routine and rituals, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If I don't have a good bedtime every single night, if I don't have um, good healthy foods that I'm eating, you know, those basic like bottom of the Maslow's hierarchy things, um, Mm -hmm. everything implodes in a really spectacular kind of way. So it can be like spectacular ideas, but also um, spectacular implosions if you aren't taking care of yourself. But if you are taking care of yourself, I love having a grand cross. It's hard, but it's worth it. (laughs) This is, this is illuminating for me. I wish that I had a complete grand cross. I only have, I have a cardinal (laughs) T-square. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) With lots Um, and lots of things too. I'll add, I might uh, have to, I'll talk more about it in the show notes, but, um, the you know having a T square by itself or several T squares in your your case because you have these like stelliums involved in the T square um, yeah. <laughs> is not a bad thing. Like oppositions, I find to be really difficult, but my squares mm-hmm. in my chart are some of the things that I'm proudest of, and I feel like mm-hmm. through struggle have served me the best. And so those squares, the sort of tip of that that right angle tip of the triangle. Um, Mm -hmm. it, it's, it gives your life this tension and this direction, right? Mm -hmm. A a sense of direction that maybe the, uh, grand cross person doesn't have right away because they have Mm -hmm. to try all different things first, but you are like, nope, I get where I'm headed. Like I'm headed to the Libra, Venus, Mercury, Lilith fighting for eighth house type of things. Like you're, mm-hmm. It gives you a very clear sense of drive, right? You know, sometimes squares are even called drivers. So <laughs> I see that in you for sure. Cool. Mm-hmm. Thank you for, thank you for also, I mean, like, I mean, just teaching me a little bit in this podcast or teaching me a lot in this podcast, honestly. Um, I'm so glad that we got to do this. And like, I... I love your podcast. I thank you. Appreciate just getting to listen to everybody's lovely voices while we I mean, we've had this long distance friendship anyway, but it is nice that I can count on like, you know, hearing you talk about this stuff and like educate me on a lot of these things um that I'm still, you know, I'm still learning. That's why I wouldn't I mean, I like I like astrology Twitter a lot. Like I've, I've made some like beautiful friendships on like what I, what I call like woo woo Twitter <laughs> or, yes, like, yes. or like wish Twitter, <laughs> I guess. Um, 
but I really, I learn a lot from everybody. And that's something that I value social media for is how much I learn. Uh, so thank you. That is so wonderful to hear. Seriously, thank you so much. I feel I feel the same about you. I know that we've had an online friendship for, for a while, but I'm, <laughs> I am genuinely just glad to be able to help and glad that people want to hear me ramble about astrology for hours. It's always weird recording the solo episodes, just like speaking into the void and thinking like, wow, I, I hope uh, someone wants to listen to me talk about this for for an hour. It's a little, it's a little bit strange. Like I wonder about recording artists, like uh, our yeah. the lovely San Benito, and like when you listen to your voice that much, you start to wonder, like, am I losing it? But yeah, the friendships uh, make it worth it. And you know, thank you for asking me all those questions. I, I learn a little bit from from that too. And thank you for sharing your chart with me. You have such a lovely set of stars. So. This is great. I appreciate you. I appreciate you too, Amelia. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, <laughs> da -da 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 -da. <laughs>